Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Uh, today is, what is 8th? August? August? August 23rd, 2020. 20, What's the calendar? 21 days to kick off. I can't believe that. Three weeks. One days. Three weeks. Oh, that's three weeks? That sounds a lot more than 21 days. Mm. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And I just can't hide it. All right. We've got a bunch of news for you. Uh, I had the notes up, but... the. <laughs> I've got them on the wrong screen. All right, got the notes up. Here we have a big show for you today. This is the uh, good part about only doing a podcast once every 17 years is we have (laughs) a bunch of news when we do our podcast. That's one of the reasons why we haven't done a lot of podcasts this offseason is because there really hasn't been a bunch of news unless you want to talk about COVID. Okay, Ralph, I'm going to call you on this because we talked about all kinds of nonsense last off season. (laughs) Yeah, but there's more, there's more Buccaneers nonsense we could talk about. I mean, it was just not, there's just not a whole lot to talk about this off season, but we got uh, training camps going on. We got some fights. That's always fun. Mm -hmm. I got some new signings, some injuries. That's never fun. Uh, We have the talent question. That's in quotes for all of y'all listening on the podcast in the uh, on the YouTube videos. I'm doing quotes around talent. We're gonna find out Mike's Evans' favorite teammate, Mike Evans. Uh, we got some Buck scrimmages. What's going to be going on with that? Because they're not going to be playing against anybody. Uh, we got some defensive line help, some more signings, some roster cut deadlines. Uh, what prevented the team from making a deal with Shaq Barrett? We're going to answer that question, or Molly is. I have no idea what mm-hmm. the question or the answer is there. And then we have some news around the league, especially with the NFC South, our sworn enemies. But first, before we go any further, let's get into some fact checks and follow-ups. You didn't see that coming, did you? I did oh, not. Aha. Uh-huh. And I'm really panicking right now because I hope you're not going to ask me. Because you were wrong. Oh, was I? Fact check on Molly being wrong. (laughs) Always. We'll just go there. Always. Uh, Levante David was number 56 on the top 100 list in 2015 and number 35 in 2014. What did I say? He had never been on there? He had never been on the top 100 Uh, list. Okay. Actually, you were like, has he ever been on the top 100 list? Well, then that was a a follow up then. Not a fact check. No, that's a fact check. If I didn't assert a fact, it is not a fact check. Whatever. I'm going to get into a semantics argument here because I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Got another follow-up, though. We were talking about the uh, director of football research analytics. Yes, Molly, you were correct. Jacqueline uh, Davidson. See, Molly one, Ralph zero. <laughs> Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hired former New York Jets executive Jacqueline Davidson to serve as their director of football research on July 29th. So, boom, we have our analytics person. I assume that's what that meant. Sounds good to me. Yeah. 
All right, let's get into some Buccaneer news. All right, what you got? Uh, not a whole lot of good stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, what Great. do you got? You want to go first? No, go ahead. All right. Got some injuries. John Franklin, one of our wide receivers, he was a draft pick for bars, was carted off the field by trainers with a leg injury. He is on the injured reserve out for the season. Right? I didn't know that he was out for the season. I hadn't seen that. Okay. Uh, the Maybe injury did happen a couple of days ago. So it was pretty certain it was coming. I know BA said it wasn't looking good. Uh, he was going to get an MRI, but. the Did they say what kind of injury it is? You know, they probably did. I'm sure they did, but I don't know what it was. Okay. Hamstring? I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> TJ Logan. Uh, had uh, a patellar tendon injury. He is out for the year. Put on injured reserve with yeah, Franklin. Yeah, he actually had surgery yesterday. Hope everything went well. Yeah. We haven't heard anything negative about that, so should be good for him. He was our return guy, and he did very well. Yeah, and B.A. was talking about what a good camp he was having, and it looked like he was... Uh, really competing for a roster spot in the running backs room. And then of course he was our return guy last year before he got injured. So I think that he was in the running to do returns this year. And well, now that's out the window. Yeah. We don't know who our return people are going to be. That was a weakness last year. Mm-hmm. It's been a weakness for quite a few years. Yeah. But then again, you know, it's the return game just isn't that special anymore. The punt returns different story. But, you know, kickoff returns, they don't mean anything anymore. Nobody ever goes anywhere. I think we only had a handful of returns last year for a touchdown over the past few years. It's just been a tremendous drop-off in uh, kick return touchdowns. Well, they changed the rule, and then how much Mm -hmm. sense does it make? If you're going to start on the 25, like, you might as well fair catch and just avoid any kind of injury risk. Yes. Which was, that was, that was the point of changing the rule. Right. And I, I was actually kind of surprised when they changed the rule and Bill Belichick did it for a while, but then he stopped doing it where they were doing those mortar kicks where they were trying to drop the ball within the 10 yard line of the uh, end zone. Because as it stands now, the rule is if you down the ball in the end zone or it goes out of the end zone, or if it even lands in the end zone, then you get it on the 25. It's extra five yards than what it used to be. So, of course, Bill Belichick with his analytics geniuses, whatever he's going to, whatever you want to call him, uh, he was doing mortar kicks trying to land the ball in the, within the 10 yard line so his guys could get down there and tackle him. And I thought that would be huge throughout the league, but. Yeah, why wouldn't you try to do that? I don't know. It just seems like everybody's just going, ask, eh, we'll just get the ball at the 25, let them have it at the 25, whatever. Well, yeah. I think the one coach that kind of figures out a trick. They're really going to do something. Yes, yes. The Bucks got to deal with our defensive tackle, Kyle Love. He used to play with the Panthers. He played with the Patriots last year. Is that correct? No. He, no, he was with the Panthers last year. Okay. Until 2019. He was an undrafted free agent rookie in 2010, signed by the Patriots. He stayed there until 2012. And then 2013, he bounced between the Jags and the Chiefs, where 
he went to the practice squad and then active roster. It, that was the situation on both teams. And then he's been with the Panthers since 2014. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I've known him from the Panthers. It was funny because when his name popped up, I was like, there's something about that guy I remember. Whether he was <laughs> he was either really good watching him on film or he was really bad, and I can't remember which one it was. So me and Molly both scoured all my notes for the past 10 years. Couldn't find a thing on him. So... Maybe he was just mediocre and we just recognized <laughs> the name. <laughs> he ended up getting a one year deal with us for $1.05 million uh, with the uh, NFL's veteran minimum salary benefit. It only counts $750,000 against the salary cap. Basically, it's the same thing with uh, LaShawn McCoy. Almost the same exact deal. So he's competing for the defensive line spot. No, he's going to be a backup. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, rotational guy. So we have Sue, Vita, and Goldston. They're pretty much locks. Nacho. Nacho, Pat O'Connor, Jeremiah Ledbetter. And then we've got rookies Khalil Davis and Benning. I can't say his last name. Patoe? Patoe? That's that's the guy that played with Vita at Washington. Oh, okay. And so they're all competing for those backup spots i mean how many defensive tackles will we keep on the roster not many four five five yeah so if sue vita and goldston are and nacho are locks you got two spots maybe up for grabs Mm. we have (laughs) some interesting news with uh gerald mccoy this is not buccaneers news but he is a a past Buccaneer, beloved Buccaneer by a lot of fans. He is out Ralph's for the favorite season. Buccaneer ever. <laughs> Can we go a podcast about <laughs> Gerald McCoy's name? Nope. How nope. many days has it been since the Gerald McCoy incident and Buccaneers observer? He is out for the season. He ended up getting a MRI. It showed a ruptured quad tendon. Uh, it was initially feared he had a an ACL. <clears throat> But he's got the ruptured quad tendon. The Dallas Cowboys ended up cutting him after they after he got the MRI. He ended up with a three million dollars signing bonus, so he gets to keep that. But he doesn't get any more money for the year. I'm gonna have to say that's that's not so bad. You know? Yeah, and considering how much money he's made in his career, yeah, he's doing just fine. Yeah, well, the, the Dallas Cowboys were really excited about getting him and all the other Carolina Panthers on their defensive line. Uh, they do have Aldon Smith as a defensive end. Yeah. I really think he's going to tear it up this year. I mean, but he's been out of the league for how long? Yeah, a long time. 2017, 2015? Yeah, three or four years. Uh, but Jerry McCoy, I don't know if this is going to be the end for him. If he comes back, you know, with his injury history, teams are not going to dump a lot of money on him. You know, he signed with the Panthers last year, didn't produce a whole lot. I think he had four and a half or five sacks, and I think three of them came against us in mm-hmm. London. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he just really hasn't shown a whole lot. If he does play again, it's going to be for probably, you know, a one, two million dollar one year signing. And I I don't know if we'll do it. I think this, this could be the end for Gerald McCoy. Well, we'll see how it turns out, though. It's a shame. I hate to see it. Yeah, and I don't know how willing he is to play a backup role. I mean, I guess in Carolina, he was kind of a rotational guy, and 
is he, you know, at another team next year? Is he going to compete for a spot? I doubt it. Right. You know, so. Yeah, a lot of questions there. Yeah. yeah you hate to see guys get injured. And that's the big, big thing about preseason is injuries. You know, every day you're nervous sitting there looking at tweets and news reports, seeing if, you, you know, if somebody gets injured. It's the worst. I hate it. I hate it. And especially when this year we can't have preseason, so you're having to practice contact against your own guys. Yeah, and you're going to see a lot of guys in the first three weeks are going to get hurt. Yeah, I agree. And they were talking about, I was listening to Pewter Report's podcast, and Mark Cook is a football coach or was at one time for youth and he said it's tricky with contact and especially practicing against your own players you almost when you're doing like the half contact that's when a lot of injuries happen Mm. like when you're not going full bore Mm. but at the same time you know you don't want uh injuries to happen other ways either so it's always a risk and remember when cutter uh, was coach and they would do like no contact and then mm-hmm. none of our guys knew how to tackle. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I don't know if that was Mike Smith's fault or Cutter's practicing <clears throat> techniques, but yeah, our guys did not know how to tackle. Right. That's for sure. And I, this is probably a good time to get into this. Uh, right after the injury to, or right before the injury to TJ Logan during training camp, there was a fight between Nacho and Jensen. And there was like a whole scrum. And You know Jensen's going to be fighting. And apparently Nacho is a huge shit talker too. That's what I've heard too. Yeah, yeah. which I love it. I love yeah. it for both of them. Yeah. And I don't mind the fighting at practice. You know, it pisses BA off. Which I kind of get. And remember last year when we were having joint practices and he was like, if anybody mm. gets into a fight, you're getting kicked out of practice. Mm-hmm. And I understand his mentality. Like, if you're fighting in practice, it's counterintuitive. You're not learning anything. You're not training. You know, you're not focused on what you need to be focused on. You're getting emotional and you're mm-hmm. fighting. But at the same time, I like it because you get all these guys you know, they're pumping with testosterone. They're competing. A lot of them are competing with job, you know, for a job. And so it's bound to happen. I mean, it's just a matter of men being men. Right. Yeah. You'd you know? like to see fight in a dog. Yeah, exactly. Know? Exactly. We don't want a bunch of poodles out there. Right. <laughs> a little yapping ankle biters. Exactly. Yeah. And so uh, anyway, so Jensen and Nacho, they get into a fight and then they both are kicked out you know they have to go they're not kicked out of practice but they have to go on their own and cool down and do workouts on their own like laps or whatever they make <laughs> yeah i heard do. they're making them do a lot of laps this year if you drop the ball you got to do laps really yeah if you if you mess up you got to do laps so they got to get these guys in condition you know this one thing about preseason it's one of my favorite quotes and it's by jimmy johnson You know, he says, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And Mm -hmm. I can vouch for that. You know, if you've ever been into a situation where you're totally worn out and, you know, you can barely move your arms or your legs or you're exhausted, you just want to quit. You want to quit. And that was what Jimmy Johnson's thing was, you know, he conditioned his guys so that they were strong and had energy in the fourth quarter so they could beat up on the other guys who were not in as good as condition. And when you don't have off-season practice, you know, these guys aren't 
used to the hitting and the running and all that. So it's good to get them out there running laps and stuff, you know, just as much as much conditioning as you can get. That's true. And then you also wear them out as far mm-hmm. as their uh, aggression has been built up. So maybe it uh, helps diffuse the situation a bit. And they're more hesitant to maybe start something with their teammates <laughs> in the future. Uh, but Mike Evans was really pissed after TJ got injured like he was yelling at the team he was like that better be a yeah and jpp was on the sideline and he started yelling too at mike evans no no at the defense saying like you can't because what happened was quentin bell yanked tj down by a his jersey Mm -hmm. and jpp was yelling from the sideline you can't do that in a game so why would you do it during practice you can't you can't yank them down with their jersey? I guess not. Mm. He said that. Must be a new rule. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to get into this, the contact issue, because Bruce Arian said that we are going to hold scrimmages in the stadium, the team would. There would be at least two. And here's a quote. It's It was in a Bucks Nation article. Quote, we'll have at least one or two scrimmages a week, but we're going to have a game in the stadium. Two of them, actually, so that we're in the stadium, the lights are on, and everything is game ready, so we can know the stadium is ready, too, to get in that atmosphere and play a game live, special teams live, offense, defense. We'll try to do two of those. So they haven't announced when it will be held or whether they'll be broadcast for the fans to see. Oh, that'd be interesting. It kind of seems like it's in lieu of a preseason game. So that's kind of the closest that they can come to preseason. However, Joe Buck's fan had a, a good article, and I actually want to read most of it. Uh, which they're short anyway, but it, it brings up a good point, And I'm not sure that these scrimmages are a great idea. Skip over all the name calling. Okay. <laughs> the article is titled Bruce Arians quote, guys hold grudges. And it, it was published August 22nd. So yesterday team chemistry is critical at one buck palace where the power players believe they have elite leadership in place and an a plus coaching staff. That's as big as it is beautiful, but that chemistry is in a fragile place right now. Bucko Bruce Arians explained on CBS sports radio this week with no preseason games or scrimmages allowed this year, the subject of hitting each other in training camp came up and Arians dropped an intriguing nugget about how real football with teammates can be counterproductive. Quote, it's gotten out of hand a few times. You know, we don't play the Bucks on our schedule. And you can divide a team real fast when you get into that offensive-defensive stuff, Arian said. Hitting yourself is the worst thing in football. You get tired of it. Hitting guys, yourself? Guys Why are you hitting yourself? Grudges. Why are you hitting yourself? Guys hold grudges. That's a good point. Yeah, especially if you get beat real bad. Or Yeah. Arian said managing this virus season dynamic is something he's monitoring closely. On Friday, he planned to show the team an example of a shot taken in practice that should have been reserved for opponents. And there were more than just one. Hmm. Another issue, Arian said, is young players hungry to prove themselves but missing the chance because of canceled scrimmages and preseason games. Quote, it's very, very hard for young players this year and you have to watch them because they're going to hit people they're not supposed to be hitting just to try to get on film, Arian said. Get on film for the wrong reasons. 
it's like back in the day, pick the biggest guy and start a fight, which is taboo now. <laughs> so I'm just not sure. And especially I feel like because this season and this off season in particular, there's been so much attention on the offense where our defense has been overshadowed. Oh, yeah. And yeah. We've all questioned whether that was going to be an issue for mm. them because, you know, they've all got a chip on their shoulder and we do have a great defense. Yes, the fantastic defense. We do. And last season, they carried us for parts, of, you know, some games. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, I'm just not sure, you know, it could be a double edged sword with practicing or these scrimmages or having, you know, close to a game time simulation in the stadium. Yeah, it's a good like, point. Like it could backfire. Not that I think it will, but. These locker room dynamics are so tenuous and can very quickly turn. Yeah. And I do think we have a very professional locker room and guys who have their head on right. But if just, they don't, JPP will put it on for them. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, but you just never know. You just never know. And so. Well, that was a good point. See, I was all excited about these scrimmages. Now I'm scared of them. I know. You know, it's a little nerve-wracking. You know, I trust this coaching staff because B.A., this is his forte. This is absolutely – he understands the psychology of a team and his players, Mm. and he's very good at balancing personalities. And Yeah, he's been doing this for almost 30 years. Exactly. So So you would think if there would be a – red flag in this respect that he would be able to identify it and maybe head it off. So I do trust the coaching staff in that respect, but I just think that, you know, it could go the other way. Mm-hmm. There's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Good point. Especially with the uh, young guys. Yeah. But, and this defense being overshadowed, this is something me and you have talked about quite a bit, especially here on the podcast that these guys are going to want to go out there and really show their stuff. Because this defense, I, if you ask me, this defense is as good, if not better, than the offense. Uh, of course, we'll get into this here in a second. Uh, but let's talk about the defense a little bit. Okay. Uh, Pro Football Focus, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers division of it, whatever that is, uh, put out a tweet the other day, said, quote, Tampa Bay's secondary will be incredibly fun to watch in 2020, given how they left the 2019 campaign. Then they had a link to an article that they had written. Well, in the article, they mentioned everybody in the secondary except Jordan Whitehead. Didn't mention his name. Oh. He didn't take too kindly to that, and I don't blame him. Uh, He responded back. He clapped back at him, and he said, uh, I played damn near every snap for the defense last year. Y'all going to stop acting like I don't make plays. And Which I love Jordan Whitehead. Oh, I love him. I think he's awesome. He's, he's great. Uh, he's he our bell rung last year. Yeah. Towards the end of the season, he kind of dropped off a little bit, but uh, he's a really good player. They're saying that he's bulked up this year. Yes. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunting said that he had gained 8 to 10 pounds of muscle by eating and working out. <laughs> And he had asked Jordan Whitehead for advice on, you know, how to get bigger because he said, Jordan Whitehead looks like an action hero. <laughs> and he does. Did you see him in the in the current? No. He, yeah. I think there was a shot with him with his shirt off and everything. I was like, oh, my gosh. That guy's cut up. So he's taking this year serious, which is great. I, I really like 
Whitehead. I really and like he's our contact guy. When the new coaching staff came in last season, in the off season, they said he just likes to hit people. Yeah, and he does, man. He laid mm-hmm. some wood, man. Uh, Gary- Did you know I learned this today in the Ira Kaufman co- podcast that Jordan Whitehead is Darrell Reeves' cousin? I, I know because you asked me that. I know. Well, I wanted to say like, it in the podcast. I was like, well, I do now. What? It's crazy. It's good to know. Uh, Warren Sapp had an interview with the guys at Pewter Report, and they wrote an article up in their Fab Five thing they do every week. And Sapp really really uh, came after Domicong Sue and Vita Vea. For what? Uh, basically said they suck. What? I know. And, you know, I, I I like Sap. He's definitely an entertaining guy. Loved him when he was on the team. Hated him when he went to Oakland. But I think he's completely wrong in his uh, analysis there. He what? was saying... He was saying that this offense is going to have to score 40 points a game because this defense can't sack anybody. And he said it's because of the the defensive tackles. They don't No matter that push. we had the sack leader. I know. I know. And I think we had the second most sacks in the league or something like that. But we had the sack leader. JPP popped off all those sacks when he only played half a season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vita had, I think, four, four and a half, something like that. But anyhow, uh, Sue had some. But those guys were getting pushed every game, and I mean they're they're fantastic. I, personally, personally, my the most disappointing player for me last year was Vita Vea, only because I don't think he played as good as I thought he was going to play. And I said this a couple years ago after watching him in his rookie season that I think he can be better than Warren Sapp, and he played. Maybe great that's last year. Warren's problem. Maybe that's Warren's problem. Yeah, uh, but. Yeah, Sap really went off on the defense. I didn't take too kindly to it, you know. Uh, really, a lot of the issue with our defense last year wasn't our defensive line. I mean, we had the best run-stopping defense in the league by far. Uh, it was really <sighs> our linebackers in their coverage. You know, I said it last year, and I, I argued with people, but our, our linebackers just, you know, Devin White, you know, he, it's a new system for him, and, and you know, the NFL's new for him, and those guys just weren't covering the tight ends well or the running backs, and that's why we got a lot of uh, opposing teams would get a, their tight ends destroyed us last yeah. year. And it wasn't just Devin either. I mean, Kevin Minter when he Kevin was Minter. in for mm-hmm. Devin, so yeah. I think it was yeah, Levante pos- did possibly good. a coaching issue, but I don't know scheme maybe. Yeah, I I did a podcast where I. Analyze all the the yardage that our linebackers gave up and all the passes compared to our cornerbacks and the rest of the groups, and they were over thirty percent. You know, so that was that was really telling to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, and it it was almost like the teams picked on them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that was true. Was Indianapolis Ebron? Didn't he get a lot on Devin White? Every, everybody did. Every, yeah. every single team killed us with their, with their tight ends, ends and yeah. their running backs. Uh, but with the running backs with the checkdowns. Mm-hmm. And then we, you know, we had VH3 who really didn't do much. Mm-hmm. Uh, really gave up a lot of big passes. And then you had Jamal Dean and SMB and all these guys who were still learning. 
you know, but towards the end of the year, I mean, we were killing it mm-hmm. in our secondary. So I don't know what Warren Sapp's talking about. Well, and Warren was such a unique player because, you know, he was the QB killer, mm-hmm. you know, and that is not necessarily a good metric of defensive tackles, as we heard in every defense of Gerald McCoy over the years. Right. So for him to hold Namakong Sue and Vita to that same standard when it's always been the argument that defensive that's not a good like metric. Yeah. yeah. You know, but, I mean, hey, I mean, no defensive tackle is ever going to measure up to Warren Sapp here. I mean, it's just not. I yeah, mean, probably. in Warren's own mind, and I think most of the Tampa Bay fan base. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, Warren Sapp's probably, he knows that. He And he doesn't want a defensive tackle. No, why would he? That's his legacy. No, he doesn't but want But I, I really honestly think that Vita Vea has the tools to be better than Warren Sapp. It's the guy is on stoppable out there and of course Ndamukong Sue is just a tank I mean he never gets hurt I mean look at Gerald McCoy is one thing one of the issues we had with him is that you know he was hurt every year I think he played he had one year where he played all 16 games but Mm -hmm. even in that year he didn't play full 16 games quite a few times right he'd come out yes he'd come out Uh, the one that really got me was the overtime game against Seattle when he left in overtime injured and you know i was just like oh how do you do that and we ended mm-hmm. up losing the game but uh Adama Kong Sue has never missed a game for injury that, ever 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 in his career in his career all of his games that he's missed has been due to suspension, suspension. <laughs> the guy doesn't get hurt which and that hasn't even i mean he hasn't been suspended in a few years right. which right. you know he's got this reputation for being a dirty player but and he's just a tank out there. Yeah. He just can't do it. And him and Vita Vea, they just clog up that middle. And even even if you get by them, which you rarely do, they're going to run you down. I mean, they both hustle after yeah. the ball. You know, in camp, uh, I've heard a lot about Will Golston, about how he's just been in- unstoppable against the run this year. But he's always been pretty good against the run. But yeah. He's apparently bulked up, too. He's like at 300 he? pounds. I love this. Mm-hmm. I love having a bunch of players that are putting so much into their craft that they are, you know, I mean, because it takes a lot to bulk up in muscle. I mean, you've got to mm-hmm. not just spend the time working out, but pay attention to, to your diet. diet and train. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is not an easy task. No. No, it is not. All right. Let's move on to the offense, which okay. is going to be all about Tom Brady because we are Jenna <laughs> clones over here which i was listening to the ira kaufman podcast and they said the same thing yes. that like 90 percent of her questions are tom brady related and you know i don't what necessarily was it they said somebody went to the bathroom and she asked them a question <laughs> about you went to the bathroom after, after tom, tom brady, brady. <laughs> how was that or something <laughs> just terrible. but you know what she is a national pundit or well, yeah, journalist yeah. yeah and i'm sure espn is like all we care about is tom brady yes i mean she, she's but that's one of the things that you know we have issue with the buccaneers media mm-hmm. and you know these guys are for the most part they're not they're not talking to the fans you know they're trying to get that the, the big money clickbait yeah national attention uh, and they don't watch game film, which this is amazing to me. I, I've never understood this. You know, they're reporters, 
and granted, you know, they've got jobs to do and they've got qualifications and they've got deadlines and they've got these things to do. But why don't you watch game film? It is, it is crazy to me. We were watching, we were listening to the Joe Bucks podcast and I loved Joe Bucks. I think they're the hardest working guys in, in the business. But they were talking about Shaq Barrett, how he didn't do well when he didn't have somebody on the opposite side of him that was getting pressure. And he, he slacked off until JPP came back during the middle of the season. And I was just like, what? No. You know, I, I've watched every single snap of his multiple times throughout the year. And he just killed it all year long. I mean, it wasn't a. I but, think he had a few do. game drought in like the middle of the season, right before JPP came back. Right. But where he at wasn't the, getting sacked. Right, but the beginning of the season, I mean, he was just going off. So to say that the only reason for his success was JPP is just not true. Well, with Shaq Barrett, and this is one of the reasons why you know when people question if he's going to do as good this year, I just laugh because the guy is. Technically, a master at this stuff. I mean, he, it, it was not luck, you know, and it wasn't like the quarterbacks were running into him, which, you know, happens a lot of times with these guys that get big stacks. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they'll have guys that push them into the quarterback, whatever. Shaq Barrett was just killing it. I mean, he was beating the, some of the best linemen and he was just getting around people and causing havoc back there. And to say that he dropped off definitely shows that you didn't watch film. I mean, he, he, he might, that's what these reporters do. They watch the game, they write it up, and then they look at the stats. It, it's mm-hmm. kind of weird to me. It's almost like a, like a police detective <clears throat> who is trying to solve a crime and he watches the video of the crime once or he goes to the crime scene once and then that's it. You know, and then he relies on paperwork after mm-hmm. that to solve the crime. It's like, oh, I, I don't understand why they don't watch. You know, the all 22. Okay. I will answer that for you. No one is as big a freak as you are. (laughs) (laughs) Ralph watches the game. Okay. We watched the game live on Sunday. Then he watches it about twice more that night on game pass. And then it the game film, the coaches film doesn't come out till Tuesday. Tuesday used to be Wednesday, but now it's coming out. So Monday he's watching it. I watched, I watched the game a couple of times. Yeah. Twice. Uh, then you spend about eight hours Tuesday analyzing game film. Then you get all your clips and then you rewatch them as you're editing the mm-hmm. video about 20 times. And then you watch the video again. And then, uh, then it's time for next week. Yes. Well, and I don't understand. I mean, <laughs> so why it's does not even my full time job. <laughs> if it was my full time job, I'd be putting 40 hours a week, you know, 60 hours a week into this mess. And I don't understand why they don't do that. It's just, it's just strange to me because like I said, it's, they're not, they're not speaking to the fan base per se. You know, they're wanting the national attention and they're competing with other uh, journalists and and things like that. No other journalist watches game film and stuff. So why should they do it? But I think I, I could say if you watch game film, you get such a better understanding of how a team operates and who is good and who isn't good. Cause you'll see it all the time where, You'll be like, oh, this guy's awesome. And then you watch game film and you see him getting blown out all the time, but he'll make two or three good plays. Splashy he, plays that they yeah. show on the broadcast. Right, right. But then, you know, throughout the game, he's making a bunch of mistakes and you go, oh, my goodness, how did how did I not see that? <laughs> Jerry McCoy. But anyhow, back to Jenna Lane. No, I'm sorry. Is that Tom where Brady. we started? It's, it's okay. hard for me to I know. separate the two. 
<laughs> Actually, there was a guy on Twitter who added her, and he says he he was they were arguing about some stuff, and somebody brought up uh, one of the reports she had done on Tom Brady, and this guy was like, "Look, if you pay any attention to her coverage in press conferences, literally every question pertains to Tom. <laughs> Try watching them; it's gotten out of hand," is what he said. So, Jenna Lane likes her Tom Tom Brady. But here's another thing. Here, you know, this was a good segue, and we didn't even mean to do this. The Pewter Report had put out a tweet the other day, and it said, after three days of watching quarterback Tom Brady in practice, with the accuracy, the quick release, the decision-making, it's clear why Tampa Bay moved on from Jameis Winston. Brady is still elite, and he's better than Winston. They said that August 19th. Uh, Jenna Lane tweeted out the same day, the underneath stuff that Brady throws is consistently in the same spot, allowing Mike Evans to function as more of a possession receiver when called upon. There's no pause in the catch, no need reset his feet. He just keeps moving. Was Jenna watching your video? I'm getting to that. (laughs) A couple of times, like on quick outs, the ball would leave Brady's hand so fast the guys just weren't ready for it. Biggest thing I noticed, though, was ball placement. It was hitting the same spot each time. That's going to help these receivers with yards after catch. And I'm, I'm just reading this, and I'm going, these people don't watch game film because if they all they they don't even need to watch game film, they can just watch my interpretation <laughs> yeah, of game film. Exactly. Because I said this months ago. I've even got yeah. back, I've got videos showing this. People you know? are still arguing on that video. I get alerts. Yeah. for the comments. They're still, but I'm telling you, Tom Brady is. Going, it, it, it's going to be night and day between Tom Brady and James Winston when it comes to accuracy and pocket presence. And then they were arguing today about whether Tom Brady, somebody predicted Tom Brady's going to get 5,000 yards, and the Joes were arguing about it. And they, they don't think he is. And I'm like, man, he might, he might get 6,000. That mean, would be crazy. Yeah. It's like, we don't have a running game. We're going to be throwing the ball. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, it does depend on our defense how dominant they are but i could see yeah i mean tom brady can throw a deep ball and it's accurate so i don't i don't know where they they, they need to watch game film that's, <laughs> that's the answer got, that's the answer to everything do your homework that's right hey your car breaks down watch game film <laughs> you gotta you got back problems watch game watch film. game film the answer uh mike evans said tom brady is already one of his favorite teammates oh, i know and this is crazy because him and james are close yeah yeah he was real upset when james got yeah close. so f- this from a bleacher report article quote he's the goat on and off the field it's crazy he's just a superstar or he's a superstar the most accomplished player in our game in history and he's just like everybody else he just works extremely hard he's always taking care of his body he loves his family he loves family time and he's just cool he's a real down-to-earth guy and he's already up there as one of of my favorite teammates that's awesome to hear which is cool Uh, well i mean and mike's been with the team for what like six years Mm -hmm. and tom brady is his favorite teammate You've been with these guys six years? Levante Davis probably sitting there going, come on, man. (laughs) I don't even get respect from my own team. (laughs) Poor Levante. Uh, Well, you know, when you have players that talk about other players on their team, you're always going to get these fluff pieces. Yeah. He's awesome. Great family man. All that good stuff. It's good to hear that. But one thing about Tom Brady is that I've noticed over 20 years, 
nobody ever talks bad about him, even the people that don't like him. Yeah. You know, it's the, the guy seems to be a really down to earth guy that everybody seems to like. Uh, a reporter on Friday morning posed a question to Bill Belichick asking if it's strange to not see Tom Brady in the building on a daily basis. Now, normally, Belichick would just be like, uh, you know, with his straight face, he'd be like, we're thinking about tomorrow or we're thinking about. Yeah, we're you know, just tomorrow, focused on focused week on one. Game, yeah. yeah. But he actually gave an answer. What did he say? And I found this rather interesting. He said, well, we've had a lot of great, great players over the course of that time. You could have the same conversation about all of them. Teddy Brucci, Rodney Harrison, Ty Law, Logan Mankins, Rob Gronkowski. You could go right down the line. So it's professional football. It's the National Football League. Every team has changes every year. We have them. So does everybody else. I think right now everybody's focused on this year. I found that very telling. I, That's I think, kind of messed up because yeah. none of those guys were there as long as Tom Brady was. Yeah. And yeah. none of those players oversaw the success that Tom Brady did. No. And it's funny because two of them are, came to the Buccaneers, Logan Mankins and Rob Gronkowski. Mm -hmm. And now we got Tom Brady. So three of his best players have become Buccaneers. Or the Buccaneers. disrespect. I loved Logan Mankins. He was awesome. Uh, but, yeah, Belichick. It was basically brushed off, and he his whole point with that is that, hey, we've had a bunch of great players. That's just another one come and gone. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, how can you even say that? <laughs> I just. But he, it was it's funny. It's almost like he's been <clears throat> waiting to answer that question all off season because normally he just he just won't mention it. It'll just be like next. Yeah. I found that very very interesting. I mean, I just. I don't know. I mean, I get Belichick's coaching philosophy is that, like, no one's more important than the team. You know, mm -hmm. we're all here to win. We have one common goal. Right. And plus, plus, he's got new quarterbacks in there. He's got Cam Newton in there yeah. who's got a very fragile ego. And could you imagine <laughs> if Belichick would have been like, man, I miss Tom miss Brady. Him. I know. Yeah. You probably heard you probably heard Cam Newton crying in the background from the <laughs> locker room. What did he say? Caleb Benenock. Remember him? Yes. He used to play guard for us. I do. Yeah, I couldn't stand him. Yeah. Oh, come on. We defended Caleb. <laughs> uh, did we? We did. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but. Well, because he's a Buccaneer. We yeah, we defend everybody. Right. But who was it? So Steve White had said Caleb Benenock's got the. Potential to be the best offensive line or something oh, like that. Oh, Steve White's an idiot. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he's, he's a real jerk. Uh, but he, uh, Caleb Beninock was released by the Lions. I didn't even know he signed with the Lions. Uh -huh. And you know who took his place? Or who they released Caleb Beninock in order to sign? Hold on. You're never going to guess. I'm never going to guess. Okay, yeah, defensive me. end Will Clark, who played for the Buccaneers in 18 games from 2017 to 2018. So he's going to switch to guard? No, well, Clark, the defensive end. Oh, they, they cut okay. A Buccaneer for a Buccaneer. Yeah. Gotcha. Our sloppy seconds. Oh, you know what? I have a follow-up. Remember, we made our friendly wager about who was going to be the first to ah, pick off? That's right. Tom Brady. Yeah, we were both right. wrong, so yeah, you owe home. me dinner. Mike Edwards. Right? Mike Edwards. Mm -hmm. who did, Wait a I minute, said no. who? <laughs> I don't owe you dinner because <laughs> we were both wrong. <laughs> That's how it works. No. Uh, 
comment below if you think Ralph should buy me dinner. Don't do it. Who Don't did? Do it. Who did you say? You said Jamel. Jamal Dean. Dean. Who did I say? Is it Jamel Dean? It's Jamel. Why do I always say? Jamal? I don't. You get. You I have. Know. I've got. You I've have got names, names that you consistently get wrong. Yeah. It's just I. I live with it. Uh, <laughs> who did I say? SMB. I think. Yes, I think so. I think it doesn't matter. So we're anyway, wrong. we're both wrong. Yeah. Which Mike Edwards apparently has had a good camp. Uh, Peter reported an article about standouts, and then who was kind of disappointed at camp. Now, I usually take these with a grain of salt oh, yeah. because, yeah. you know, oftentimes you'll get training camp stars that just kind of fizzle out during the regular season. Mm -hmm. Wasn't Scotty Miller like that last year? Yes, and he's also doing it this year. I know, too. because, mm -hmm. yeah, I was going to say that. So I just wanted to read through their list really quick, and I have a couple of comments. So Peter reports standouts this year, of course, Tom Brady, Mike Edwards, Nacho, Gronk. Nacho. OJ. Yeah, Nacho. <clears throat> this one is a surprise, and I had to go look this guy up because I had no idea who he was. Cornerback Parnell Motley, who is an undrafted free agent rookie this year, who is apparently showing up. Mazzy Wilkins, who appears hmm. on the disappointing list. Really? And um, Ryan Smith. Who Ryan's oh, not going anywhere? Because he's not going he, anywhere. Yeah, he's just uh, for his special teams. teams yeah, abilities. they would keep him on there. Ah, that's he, he's probably the best special teams player in the league. Yeah, and also appearing on the list is Scotty, as you said, Mike Edwards, who Peter reports says could be a leading candidate to start at safety. Uh, Donovan is doing really well. Rojo, Elliot Fry, and Antoine Winfield Jr. This one is interesting. Antoine is a safety as well. We drafted him second overall, and his father was a Minnesota Viking uh, a few years ago. Not too long, though. Um, but the the Joes were also talking about him about he's very, like, professional, and you can tell that he is a player's kid because he just has that demeanor, mm -hmm. like, where he is mm -hmm. familiar with how – it works, you know. We had talked about this a couple months ago <laughs> and how the league is really getting uh what's the what's the term for it when you when you have relatives uh nepotism. Nepotism, yeah. The league is getting you're seeing it a lot. Yeah. You know, just about every team has got five or six guys that their parents or their dads played mm -hmm. in the NFL. It's fascinating to me how the league changes over the decades. Well, so, and how much of getting into the NFL is just marketing, though. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, because you want to go to a big school where uh, scouts are going and it's got a good football program. And, you know what I mean? So you'll mm -hmm. get noticed. So that's mm -hmm. a big part of it. And then being at the combine and, and plus you know, getting the, noticed there. Going from college to the NFL is such a huge 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 mm -hmm. leap that they want these guys that know what to expect when the yeah. NFL rolls around and yeah. they figure if they've got parents that have been through it then the kids are probably more equipped to deal with it although you just don't see a lot of the kids attain the same status that mm -hmm. the parents did uh it's like a, a the Dallas Cowboys Michael Irvin no uh and his kid I think is he plays for the Patriots he's a wide receiver for the Patriots his dad was a Running back for the Dallas Cowboys. 
Bear, um, yeah, that's going to drive me crazy. I, I don't know. Yeah. Anyhow, so, you know, I mean, he's a receiver, you know, whereas his dad was a superstar. So you just don't, you don't see a lot of the, the child being uh, out of the shadow of their fathers. Mm-hmm. You got any more Bucks news? Um, yeah, I still want to go through the disappointing people. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's do the disappointing people. I know. And then actually, that's going to segue into another discussion I want to have. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what to call these people. Stand downs? I don't know. Stand downs. Uh, <laughs> stand outs. Yeah, stand the opposite of sit, right. Uh, so wide receiver Tyler Johnson. Never heard of him. Well, he's a rookie. I think that we drafted him, and I can't remember. He might have been one of those we picked up afterwards. But, you know, he had an injury, soft tissue injury, and B.A. said that he's super behind, okay. like, where he should be. Yeah, he's not going to make the team. Right. Probably, maybe, maybe the, the secondary team. What do we call Practice squad. Ooh, my brain's not working. He might make the practice squad, but he's not going to make the team. And then they said, why, or running back, he's Sean Vaughn. Uh, he was our third round pick. He missed some time because of COVID, mm, too. That's right. And they're saying, yeah, he's like, which that one, you know, the running back room is completely up in the air. I think Rojo. Well, you know, you had said that Rojo, that they had him on the standout list. But then today, or yesterday. Yeah, no, today, like everyone was dropping balls today. Right, the running backs were. And particularly Rojo, Mm -hmm. Joe Bucks fan wrote an article about it. Yeah. Which Todd McNair last season had talked about how Rojo's technique as far as catching yeah. Balls was like off. And Elbow up and yeah, palms his hand placement. That's what he yeah. called it. And he's not. I don't want to say he's not improved, but he's still struggling with those same issues. So you know, uh, Dare apparently is having a good camp. Good, I like. Dare. Yeah, I do too. Uh, that's what Peter Report said in their podcast. Uh, I mentioned Mazzy Wilkins. He got burned by Mike in coverage, which I'm like, uh, can you really hold out against Mazzy? Who's not going to get burned by Mike in coverage eventually? And then two that they listed on Peter Report, Godwin, they said, not that he's not having a good camp. I mean, his camp is fine, but he's just not standing out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Well, it doesn't matter. I know. He's going to be wide receiver too. Uh, He's kind of getting outshined by Scotty Miller and Mike Evans. Which I'm like, Scotty Miller, I'm not impressed. Like, show me in a game. Right. Yeah. Get hit one time, Scotty. Yeah, get get a hit, please. Uh and then David too, Levante David. They said he's just not standing out. But he doesn't need to stand out. It's training know, camp. Why is he even out there? I know. <laughs> I know. He doesn't he should have he a veteran. Veteran exemption. They Hill, did have Sue. a Yeah. They did have a day off this week, the veterans. They all sat. Uh, Tom Brady did, uh, JPP, a few of them, where they just didn't have to practice. They were still there, though. I'm like, if you're going to give them a day off. That's funny. Give them a day off. Yeah, right. Let them. I know. Why do they need to be there? Yeah. Okay. So that's it that I have. Oh, wait. The last 
disappointing player is Matt Gay. And apparently the the kicking kicking competition is, which I don't necessarily believe that it's a competition. I don't think. After I'm not buying that, you know, you draft a kicker. Uh, Granted, it was not the second round this year. It was, (laughs) you know, the fifth round, not this year, last year. Uh, But Matt Gay's their guy. Well, and yes, he struggled last year. Yeah, he cost us the New York Giants game. And there's a good argument to be made that he cost us the Atlanta game. And he missed three field goals in a row. Yeah. And, uh, you know, B.A.'s not a real big fan of that. I mean, he got rid of Jameis for screwing up in the last week. Uh, Yeah, Gay's got, you know, if he's going to keep this job, he's got to step it up. And apparently he's not doing it. Peter Report had an article about it, and but they they can't do the preseason games either, and that's really right. where you see if your kicker is going to be able to mm-hmm. know, handle the pressure. And they've had the guys over in the stadium a few times, and so here's kind of how they compare. So Thursday, Matt Gay went four for six with a long of fifty five yards. That's Fry went five for six with a long of fifty yards. And then both kickers on Friday nailed their end-of-game kicks. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. That was Thursday. Friday, Fry had um, – he went four for five. And then Matt Gay missed three attempts, finishing two Ew. of five. Yeah. Ew. But both guys converted their end-of-game kick. And Bruce Arian said, quote, it's an ongoing competition and we'll add them up at the end. They both hit the game winners in the pressure situations today. So it's a shame we don't have preseason games to throw them out there and find out. But Elliot's kicking well. Now, is Ryan Griffin the holder? I don't know. That's a good question. I know we we talked about this a couple years ago about how maybe it's the holder because right because we've gone through all these we, kickers no no kicker can come here and do good there's yeah. just something there and it's not the field because they're not good <laughs> in away games either right it, I don't know something something there's got to be a reason but speaking of kickers let's move on to uh, some around the around the NFL news <laughs> the Panthers' new punter, Joseph Carlton or Charlton, mm-hmm. he has struggled. He has really? Struggled, yes. <laughs> there was a clip of him in practice punting. He shanks that ball so bad. Oof. And you see you see everybody on the field, <clears throat> and the coaches, everybody just lets out this groan. You're like, oh. Oh, God. You're like, he, this is what he's been doing, like, all camp. Why did they get rid of Elliot Fry? Because that's our guy. Well, this is the punter. Oh, the punter. Yeah. So you got to go check out that that video. It's just Ooh. hilarious. Yeah, he punts it and it goes like straight up in the air. And you see everybody's just like, oh. <laughs> oh, no. You know, I, I think you even hear somebody say, again? No. <laughs> uh. So good news coming from the Panthers. Boy, they're oh, going to be so good. much fun to watch this year. That's going to be great. They are going to be a hot mess. The Kansas City Chiefs have banned all headdresses, face paint, and the iconic... Ooh, I got an unstable internet connection. Yeah, there. mine too. The iconic... The chop? Chop. Yeah. 
So I told you, it's coming. It was coming. coming. It's coming for all the teams. <laughs> <laughs> Banning everything. Yeah, they're in a real precarious spot, but their fan base is much more enthusiastic than yeah. the Redskins this fan base. This, about, this is not about fan bases. Man. Well, this is what I'm saying is that I don't think that they're going to lose as much of the fan base. One, because they're coming off a Super Bowl win. So, mm, yeah, yeah. Makes you know, it a little bit harder. They can to make think. these changes and the fan base will be on board because they're like, yeah. we're winners. Now, this grievance, not like the Redskins. This grievance industry, industry does not stop. It just keeps going. No. And when you, when you give in to them, they just move on and keep going and keep going and keep going. It's, it's eventually, like I said, all the, all the football teams are going to be named after numbers, you know, until the math people get offended. And then I don't know what we'll do after that. Uh, the, Atlanta Falcons have announced there will be no fans in attendance at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium until after September. That's going to affect the uh, home opener against the Seahawks and the game. No, it the won't Bears. because no fans were going to show up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the Falcons suck. Yeah, uh, they did sign Luke Stock. Luke Stocker there. Oh, good for them. That's yeah. really going to make the team. Uh, I was starting to read some blog posts. You know, I have a, a feed of. Uh, Bucks related news and I throw in some division opponents in there. So I started to read some of their, uh, preseason hype articles and it was just sad, you know, and <laughs> I was just in like, a really good way. Well, you know, we've been there before. <laughs> <laughs> we can, we can we, smell it. We've been leading that hype train and, you know, so, uh, yeah, it feels good to be on top. Yeah. And they're talking about, well, Brady, isn't proven we don't know how a 43 year old and i'm like yeah you're gonna be real sad when this works out it's insane how people are like that with brady you know they're like ah he's old he he didn't have a good year yesterday last year he's on his way down everything watch the game film okay that's my answer to everybody yeah you're gonna be real sad speaking of sad uh ron rivera has cancer Mm. yeah it's a treatable cancer it's a squillomus skin Cancer, tennis, thyroid, or oh. lymph nodes, or something, but it's it's very treatable and curable, and he's got a ton of money, so he'll be all right. I wonder, is he going to miss any time? No, but they do have contingency plans. Uh, from what I understand, uh, uh, Jack Del Rio will take over head coaching if Ron Rivera needs to miss any time, but they don't think he will. Uh, Which that's really unfortunate because as far as the culture change in Washington, they really put Ron at the head of that. Well, it's also it's going to get the team amped up. Oh, that's true. Like we saw that in Indianapolis when B.A. served as mm -hmm. interim head coach. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff seems to get people to fight harder. Yeah. Let's do it for coach. Yeah. Get people a reason to do stuff. They seem to do things better. Yeah. Uh, Monkey knife fight has been named the official fantasy sports site of the Buccaneers. What? Yeah. I don't know. It's just a what, what? promotional thing. Monkey Knife Fight. It's a fantasy uh, sports site, apparently. Never heard of them before. I'm so confused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just thought I, it's news. I thought, I thought I, it doesn't have to make sense to it. Okay. They yeah. also, Monkey Knife Fight, has uh, partnerships with other teams, uh, Miami Dolphins being one of them. Basically, I think they're just going to be branding throughout the stadium a little bit. And anytime they talk about fantasy football, they'll probably say something. Monkey knife fight brings you this fantasy um, football recap okay. or whatever. Yeah, you know, 
<laughs> it's a cool name though. I like it. Okay, monkey I'm, knife I'm gonna Google monkey knife fights and see what comes up. When there's some YouTube videos. <laughs> um Okay. I I wanna get into the talent discussion, but if you have more league news, let's I've yeah. only got one more thing. Okay, one more thing. All right. Uh we need to cut this short here. I don't want to be taking this all day long. Okay. We're at an hour already. Uh five NFL on field officials have elected to opt out for the twenty twenty season. Yeah. Interesting. That's really not that bad considering all the officials. It was yeah. Like, and most of them are in that really high risk age range, you know, the sixties to seventies. Healthy as heck, man. You see those guys are like sixty. I know, like Hockley running down the field. Yeah, with these guys. Hockley looks as jacked as a player, but he's retired, right? Yeah, his son's now. Right, but all the officials that opted out, none of them are uh, referees. They are. Let me see: two replay officials, five on the field. Ref- officials but none of them are referees so it's they're really not going to affect too much i mean there's a lot of turnover in these mm-hmm. officials every year and most anyway. of them it's like a hobby anyway yeah yeah they do it, it, other stuff full-time guys yeah right and it's it's a it's a small small group i mean five out of mm-hmm. you see there's if you include all the official officials and then you include the backup guys there's probably a couple hundred right mm-hmm. so five it's not bad. Not too bad. Yeah. Okay, I want to get into the talent question. The who? The talent question. Oh, yeah. What was that? Okay, so I was listening to Ira Kaufman, and they were talking about this, and it kind of got my wheels spinning. This team is so stacked with talent, mm-hmm. and it scares me a little bit because we've had this before. Do you <laughs> remember the... Was it the 2011 Bucks? 2010? I don't know. 2011, yes. One of these yeah, teams. Yeah, because we went, we went we 10 went. and 6, 2010, and then we started off blazing in 2011 mm-hmm. and then crashed in yes. the Chicago game. So it just kind of makes me a little nervous. And what they said on the Ira Kaufman podcast was that Arians was doing an interview and he was talking about how this roster is as talented as the one that he had in Pittsburgh. Of course, in Pittsburgh, he went to the Super Bowl with them. Right. That was uh, Roethlisberger, Jerome Bettis. Yeah. Yeah. Bunch of, it was bunch a little of bit before my time. I think it was in high school then. <laughs> Maybe middle school. Yeah. Uh, but... It's just a little frightening to me because the Buccaneers have been burned by this before. Hmm. Well, I'm not scared at all. We saw that in the in the current. If you haven't watched the in the current, go check it out. It's pretty good. Buccaneers.com. Yes, Buccaneers.com. It, it's not as good as they normally put out, but they didn't have a whole lot of material to work with. Just Tom Brady. But I think it, uh, Bruce Arians said in there that looking out on the field, this is the most talented team he's ever seen. Most talent. We we got a lot of talent, man. I mean, it's a crazy. How much we do, we but it's just so. It's almost like too good to be true, is it? Nah, nah. We're going to the Super Bowl, baby. <laughs> we are going to play the Super Bowl in Every Tampa year. Bay. We're going to be the first team to have home field advantage in the modern era Super Bowl. It's going to happen. I hope so. We'll get around it. You can't. I was getting ready to say I'd eat my shorts. <laughs> But, but you don't want to have to do that. I, I like all my shorts. <laughs> I'd have to go buy a pair. Of 
I'll, I'll make some kind of wager. We'll okay. Think about that. Okay. We'll think about that. I mean, I do have confidence in the team. I don't want to. We're definitely going to the playoffs. Don't misunderstand me. But then again, you know, this year is so weird. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, with our fantasy team, uh, we, we play in a money league. And this year we all decided to just chip in five bucks enough for, you know, when you pull all the money, it's enough to buy the championship ring at the end of the year. Because this year is going to be so crazy. There's going to be so mm-hmm. many guys, you know, out because of COVID and quarantined and, you know, these not having preseason and all these rookies not knowing what's going on out there. It's 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 going to be a crazy year. So you never know what's going to happen. So mm-hmm. we might we might crash and burn. But I don't think it's going to be because of anything like it'll be because of external circumstances, not because our team will implode. Right. 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 That's what I'm saying. That's got <laughs> Oh, I want to go over deadlines real quick. Okay. The you know, it's a weird year as far as roster cuts and all that goes. The Normally, at this time of year, we've got 90 players on the team, but because of the COVID issues, they only have 80 man rosters. And so I wanted really? to, yeah, yeah, we have 80 okay. people on the team right now. Uh, and usually it's like two tiers of cuts mm-hmm. during preseason. Right. Well, we don't have that this year. So by September 5th, we have to reduce the roster to 53 players. And then if you have players on the pup list or the non-football injury list, they have to either be placed on injured reserve or um, the non-football injury list, whichever whichever is applicable and request waivers. And then... Yeah, and, or terminate the contract. Whatever you're going to do with them, you got to figure it out. And then uh, September 6th, we can start. You can claim players off the waivers. All right, so there you go, guys. So you September got... 5th, roster cuts. That's that's uh, next next Friday? No, that's next Monday. Yeah. No, next Saturday. <laughs> Whatever it is. It's at some point. Yeah. September 5th. All right. That's going to wrap it up for us. If you get a chance. Oh, uh, wait. No, I'm not ready. We got some comments on YouTube. I want to address those real quick. Okay. Why don't we should have done that first? I know. Don't rush me. You're fired. Stop rushing me. All right. So we have Eric on YouTube who says, you guys are awesome. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Eric. I love your breakdowns, and you both make valid points with everything you discuss on your channel. I I like this Eric guy. This Eric guy, he's a wise person. I think so, too. I agree. I have a question. How many yards did Ronald Jones miss out on last year because of penalties? Mm. I think if we could have added those yards to his total, he might have been close to 1,000. What do you think? So I looked up how many yards Rojo had. He had 724 yards rushing Mm -hmm. and 309 receiving. So please address the part of his question about the penalties because this is a little more complicated. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a this is a question where if you just straight up answered, yeah, he would he would have come close to a thousand because he had a lot a lot of big plays that were brought back due to. Basically, Demar Dotson and uh, who was it? Was it OJ Howard? One of the tight ends. It would just constantly seem to be holding whenever Rojo 
had a big breakout. Play. I think Cam Brayton did it one time. I think it was probably all the tight ends. Yeah, I think <laughs> at so one too. point or another. Yeah, but it, yeah, it was very frustrating because Rojo would have these great plays and they get called back on holding. But here's the thing. When you watch the game film, almost every single one of them, the reason why Rojo did have those big breakout plays was because of the holding. So if you look at it that way, if you, if you say just straight up, yes, if that penalty wasn't called, Rojo would have come close to breaking a thousand. But if you look at the play, the reason why he was able to make such good yardage a lot of times was because of the holding. So the penalties were real penalties and they, you know, they're the kind of penalties you want to see called if a guy makes a great play and it's because of a foul, you know, you hate to see holding on the other side of the field that has nothing to do with the play that drives you crazy. But in almost all the instances I saw with Rojo, it, you know, it was the, the penalty that was called was the reason why he made the big plays. So, uh, if if you were to ask me, I'd say no, he wouldn't have. He probably would have gotten an extra 50, 60, maybe 100 yards, you know. But uh, I don't think he would have broken a 1,000. But the penalties were pretty decent penalties to be called on those plays because they did contribute to Rojo getting those yardage. Okay. Good question. I like that. Uh, that was a good question. How about that answer? That was a good answer. <clears throat> it was. Well done, Ralph. <laughs> Pat myself on the back for like the third time this podcast. <laughs> Love it. Okay. And then Thomas on YouTube says, I'm totally in Saints mode. I'm so ready to get this season on. Ditto. Saints? He's say in Saints? Saints mode. Like week one, we play the Saints. Oh, oh okay. in Saints mode. You follow? I was like, is this a question from an enemy? <laughs> we, we get worked up here. What do you guys think about our two bookends getting do- double-digit sacks this season? How do y'all feel about the possibility of Joe Haig starting the first week instead of Worf's the rookie? Love the show, guys. Are you doing the podcast anymore? Keep the videos coming. So the podcast, if you are not seeing our podcast in your podcast app, we switched platforms a couple months ago. And so you might have to search for us again. So I actually have two in my podcast app. I have two subscriptions to the Buccaneers Observer. So if you're not seeing us in your podcast app, do a search for it. (laughs) How would they be listening now to know that information? Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. (laughs) Since it's a comment from YouTube. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why we switched back to putting the number of the episode back in front of mm-hmm. the podcast so that we could let people know that, hey, we, you know, we're at 175 now, 176. And if they hadn't heard from us in a while, they go, oh, I missed a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I want you to answer what do you think about our two bookends getting double digit sacks each no. this season? Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, uh, no yeah, question. Yeah, like I said earlier, Shaq Barrett is going to do this for the rest of his career. He is just he's a he's a technician. He's a master. I mean, he's not a big guy. I mean, he's not out there, mm-hmm. you know, beating these guys out of pure strength and bull rushing them and all that good stuff. I mean, he's out there just beating everybody with these moves. It's incredible, and he's going to be doing this. I, I didn't see anybody able to stop him last year. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and like I was saying, there were there were games where he didn't get sacks, but he should have. Right. You know, there were there was, gosh, well, I think it was a Tennessee game where he got, uh, he got his hands on the guy like three times. And he when they hold down. all the time, yeah, too. Tennessee uh, cheaters. Cheating. <laughs> but he he causes a lot of disturbance back there, and he makes those guys have to get that ball out quick. 
Yeah, so, there's, there's no doubt he's going to get double, double digits again. Do you think that teams will be on to him? Like they'll figure it, it out? It don't matter. They tried last year. <laughs> they would put a tight end over there. They would move the yeah. running back over there, and it didn't matter. He's, he's just, just got so many different techniques that he uses. Mm-hmm. He's got so much in his tool bag. Yeah, yeah. Whereas most defensive ends that I've since I've been watching football, you know, they'll have three or four moves. You know, those are the those are the elite guys. You know, they'll have three or four moves. I can't count how many Jack Barrett had. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say it, I saw at least 15, 16 different elite level moves that he pulled. I've never seen any defensive end do that before. And then JPP on the other side, I think he's just as capable. I don't think he'll do as well as Shaq, but I think that he is very good at his craft and yeah, if he's, capable. If he stays healthy, mm-hmm. which, you know, he's the kind of guy that he plays through broken bones and right pain. and he you know mid i mean he didn't come in till midway last season and i and think he still had double digits didn't he almost almost i want to say nine and a half yeah that's what i think too yeah yeah so yeah both of them are going to go in and i think that uh vita Bea and sue are going to rack up some more sacks mm-hmm. this year so yeah we're, we're going to be back up on the top elite sack stats again much to warren's saps chagrin <laughs> And then how do y'all feel about the possibility of Joe Haig starting the first week instead of Worth the rookie? I think that's a real possibility. I think that could happen. Yeah. It depends on how Worths looks at training camp, but you got to figure he's going up against Cam Jordan that right. first week. Like I am not interested in that experiment week one. Yeah. <laughs> like especially given it's a division game, it's important. You know, it's going to be an away game. Not that it's really going to matter. They're going to pipe in crowd noise, but right, it's not going to be the same right. as far as. But then it's <laughs> that, that field they play on, too. It's a fast field. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know anything about Joe Hague. I have not watched any game film on him. I've said I was going to do it as soon as we signed We're him, and I just shame. haven't gotten around to I it. Yeah. Uh, so... I mean, I've heard good things about Tristan at camp, but mm-hmm. I just think it's such a weird year. Offensive linemen have such a huge learning, huge curve. learning curve. And is that really a risk that you want to take against an elite team like the New Orleans Saints? I well, don't know. The good thing of it is, is that Tom Brady will get the ball out quick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he, he can see that side. He's facing that direction. Right. So it's not as bad. As it and would be we've got record. Gronk, too, who is a phenomenal blocker. Right. right. Yeah. Good questions. Yeah. Okay, so that's it. All right, that's it for real this time? For real this time. All right. Um, we are on YouTube. We are doing video podcasts. If you are listening to us on your phone or a podcast app and want to check out the video, please head on over to YouTube. Yes, and uh, subscribe. We're trying to get up to a thousand subscribers. Yeah, I think we're a little Halfway over five hundred there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you get a chance, anybody that's watching this, go ahead and subscribe. We put out some pretty decent stuff every now and then. Mm-hmm. Hey, just ask mm-hmm. uh, what was it Frank Paul? Did it, did Eric and Thomas. <laughs> Eric and Thomas. There I am with names. Close enough. Jamal. <laughs> Jamal. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. If you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, hit us up. Twitter is usually a good spot. Our handle is at Bucks underscore Observer. Check out our website, BuccaneersObserver.com. And uh, leave us a comment down below in the YouTube section. 
if you feel like it, and we'll put you on air if you got oh, a decent question. And we're on Facebook too. Yeah, we're on Facebook too. Yeah, we're on all of them. Set this everywhere. I know. Yeah. I can't right. do it. That's going to wrap it up for us. Till next time. Go Bucks.